What's up, everybody? It's Joanna Perry. This is Audacity at its finest. And we are back for another episode of Friday Fails. And this time, I've got one of my loan officers here in my office, Axe. Shout out to Axe Cortez. Here we are. Spanish, again. Spanish-speaking loan officer. And great guy all around. Good dad. Mm -hmm. Thank Thank you. You. Thank you. Works at an office full of women and represents the Lone Lady Club, so you know he's got to you know, have some kind of awesome character, right? <laughs> well, today I want to talk about fraud because there was a massive fail in my office and actually got to witness some of it. He was just an outsider on it. Um, it was actually a loan that was, I was writing. I got a call a week and a half ago on a Saturday from one of my real estate agent partners telling me that she had a buyer who wanted to make an offer on a home. It was upwards of 550,000. He had been pre-approved, but I guess that the lender was not responsive, not explaining anything, had never produced the actual pre-approval letter. There was a whole laundry list of issues with that lender. And so the real estate agent suggested that Frank get um, a comparison quote from me and the Lonely Lady Club, right? Happens a lot, right? Acts like that's how we work, right? You want to shop multiple lenders. I always tell everybody, like, if the doctor wanted to amputate your leg, you're probably going to get a second opinion, right? Same thing with, you know, buying the most expensive item in most families, you know, portfolios <laughs> is their house. So probably good to get a quote from more than just one bank, right? Um, so anyways, <laughs> I took his application right away. I noticed that he had a payment history with significant hiccups in the form of late payments. Everything was reporting accurate now, but the late payments were over the last 24 months and they were on trade lines that were like really inexpensive. <laughs> like these trade lines are like $49 and he missed a payment. And this gentleman made well over six figures and had been earning at that, at that amount for quite some time. So the first thing I noticed was the lower credit score with the payment history. And one thing about late payment history is that it's not something I can fix. I can't rapid rescore it. I can't do anything about it because it just takes time. You have to demonstrate a history of making on-time payments. There's nothing I can do other than wait so that we can outrun that. Anywho, even though he had a sub 640 credit score um, and his debt to income ratio was extremely high, um, I was able to get an automated approval on this guy. Um, I verified, you know, his income documents. I had his W-2s. I had his tax return, ID, I had his bank statements. Um, so I issued my pre-approval, my automated underwriting findings, and I felt comfortable with the deal. It was his highest and best, meaning he couldn't scrape out any more approval. But on this deal, the reason why it was going to work was because the seller was giving out a credit. There was a significant credit towards the buyer's closing cost. It was $15,000. So with that generous credit, I was able to buy the interest rate down, get him a payment that was affordable, and get him um, into the property with maximum debt income ratio, right? So this was a very careful calculation. It took me six and a half hours to do the pre-approval, which is very uncharacteristic. Usually it takes me at most 45 minutes to underwrite the documents, structure mm -hmm. the loan, and do a pre-approval. But in this case, I had to shop multiple banks, multiple guidelines. I had to run the automated underwriting system with multiple different loan structures um, because it was not firing an automated approval in many of the cases. And this is not a good file for a manual underwrite, okay? That's just a lot of work. I mean, that would have taken me three days. Which I'm happy to do because I love it, right? I love those math puzzles. I love putting those together. And I was so happy. I mean, I spent two and a half hours on the phone with this gentleman creating a rapport. Um, mm -hmm. He is part of an underserved community. And as everybody knows, I enjoy um, giving, you know, good service to <laughs> borrowers of all minorities. And, um, you That's know. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's right. You're right, Holmes. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, I speak Spanish and I was born and raised mm. in West Modesto, so. Basically Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> I'm passionate about helping clients who have a cash culture. So I'll just say. 
That's right. That's right. We got love for all. Yeah. So anyways, so, I mean, this guy, you know, normally I'm a real jaded old hag about things. I don't believe anything. Stop it. <laughs> but with this guy, I was really giving the benefit of the doubt. He was well-spoken. Um, he communicated with me at a high level. He got me the documents I asked for, except his most recent pay stub. However, I had verified an older pay stub that was just like out of date by 30 days as well as the W-2s for two years and all the income checked out was all good. So, <laughs> okay. So I submit the loan and the only thing I'm waiting on is a pay stub for the underwriter to be able to review it. And so the gentleman sends me the pay stub and I notice there is a line item on the pay stub for severance payouts, upwards mm -hmm. of $30,000, like in addition to his regular income. So instantly I, my heart drops and we all know that a severance typically indicates that somebody was laid off, you know, or is no longer employed. Right. So instantly, like I'm calling the borrower and I'm, and I get him on the phone and I'm like, Hey, Jacob, what's going on? I see the severance on there. Like, dear God, I hope I'm not going to be the one to tell you that you're unemployed. Right. I'm trying to make light of it. I'm trying not to, you know, call him out, but I'm also trying to investigate what's going on because I have to mitigate credit risk and fraud and all these different things. Right. So he comes up with the most plausible story on site, like on site. Like this he, guy, he knew what to say right away. Yes, too. and he tells me, Joanna, my company was recently acquired, and I had read something because his W-2s had a different employer name on it, mm -hmm. but I had done my own due diligence, and I had seen that the current company he's working for had legitimately acquired them, and the name change, they are one and the same. Okay. So I was already privy to that, but now I'm trying to document why there's a severance on his current employment paycheck stub and he tells me that yet another acquisition happened and that in order for them to move him over to the new payroll system they paid him out his severance from being laid off at the old company right and hired him on at the new company but that it was important for that money to be taxed a certain way so his company threw it on that ledger line so that it'd be mm. taxed appropriately so Okay, so instantly I was like, that doesn't make any sense because they would have coded it something else. And then I thought to myself, every time someone gets laid off and gets a severance, usually that's because they're not rehirable or not being rehired. I've never seen a case where they got a severance and then got rehired. But then I thought back to my old Citibank days and, you know, when we were in the mortgage meltdown, there actually were people yeah. that they got paid a severance, but okay. then five weeks later, City was like, uh-oh, we need that person back. Mm -hmm. oi, 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 oi. Sorry, we disrupted their whole life. Mm -hmm. And then they went and rehired those people. So those people got to keep their severance. Okay, so, okay, so big F, this is plausible. And now I'm just like, oh, thank goodness. Because let me tell you, the real estate agent, this is her entire winter pipeline. So this mm -hmm. is her Christmas. This is her mortgage payment. So now we're not dealing with just big F. We're dealing with all the parties involved. Yes, because each transaction affects a multitude of people, right? And so Big F um, tells me this story. And so I let him know that I can patch this together and fix it, but then we need an offer of employment showing his new position with the company that acquired his old position and that prior to closing, we would absolutely need the first paycheck stub because I let him know, jokingly, that some people turn in offer of employment letters and never actually start. Okay, so I'm rocking with Big F. I still believe him. The realtor still believes them. My processor, Miss Cherry, lets us both know that he's a lying sack of crab apples. <laughs> and I just think, you know what? She's only business been in the business 24 months. She doesn't have the gift of discernment like me and the realtor. We know when someone's telling the truth. Yeah, okay. Well, this blows up in my face. It's a big fail. So this last Friday, um, he gives us the information for the new job and said that he started on October 10th. Last Friday, 
last Friday was the 21st. Okay. So we're like, okay, you start on the 10th. There's no gap in employment, which means your first paycheck stub will be like at the end of October, which means we can still close in November as planned. No harm, no foul. All is good. And we sent over a separate request for verification of employment. Dude, it came back. That big F actually accepted the job offer of employment last Friday. He hadn't started October 10th, bro. He had just accepted the offer like moments before he told us that he started there October 10th. We we found out that he didn't work at his new new employer mm-hmm. and that he was more than likely backdating an offer letter and preparing to send it to us Monday morning. But I cut him off at the head by just going around him and getting information from the HR person directly. So hmm. I was so disheartened because I had really believed him. I worked so hard. I had spent like over 18 hours straight on the file. But the thing that broke my heart the most is that a loan officer was going to be receiving commission on this deal. And where we are in the month, the loans that we have now that we fund in November, that's our holiday check, right? And in this industry and with pipelines down and with margins so volatile and with applications, you know, suppressed due to high interest rate and different economic factors, this deal meant a lot. It meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to her. It meant a lot to the sellers because they have another deal writing on this. So I, what I did was I sent a text to Big F letting him know that based on the information provided and verified, I would not be able to extend him a loan, but rather in fact would be processing a formal decline and that he'd be receiving a letter from the lender within 30 days per fair credit or whatever. Okay. And I also let him know that I would be, um, he would no longer have access to me through my phone and that all correspondence would need to be done via email. And just as a courtesy, I left him my email address. When you defraud a transaction and you're a buyer, you're not just affecting your soul for the loan officer, but you're also affecting your real estate agent, the seller, the seller's agent, the title person, the appraiser, everybody is doing things for no reason, but it really impacted the sellers because they were planning to close escrow um, here really soon, like in the next 10 days. And then they have other plans that are contingent upon the sale of this home. Um, And I had given the borrower every opportunity to tell the truth um, because I could have just declined the application for inability to source the income. Um, But instead, after his conduct and his behavior, um, I was obligated to turn him in for federal fraud for filing a a fraudulent mortgage application Mm -hmm. um, and distorting his verification of employment. And um, the credit underwriter for the wholesale lender where I brokered it actually processed an MCR. Do you know what an MCR is? No. Bro, it's a mortgage credit reject filed with HUD on the FHA connection so that any other mortgage lender that pulls his credit and then goes and assigns an FHA case number to him will receive an alert. And that mortgage credit reject notice is like, hey, an underwriter has previously reviewed this and determined that this person is declined for a reason. And that alert has to be cleared. And many lenders have overlays. So they would have to look into it. So like, let's say, for example, I was just a knucklehead and I didn't um, collect some of the documentation. And so, you know, the application got withdrawn or whatever. That's different, right? But this is actually us being like, hey, we reviewed it in full. Something's wrong. So whatever other lender gets this, if he tries to go defraud another lender, they're going to see that alert and and it's going to give that credit institution an opportunity to mitigate the risk and the loss. Because interest rates measure risk and interest rates are, are high enough. So we want to mitigate this type of behavior, right? And as much as I want to get paid and as much as, you know, my family depends on these transactions closing and my team and my staff, not all business is good business. And I way rather decline a loan than participate in something unethical. Yep. Um, 
So I failed because I completely believe this guy's moronic stories, but he failed because he wound up with a credit rejection, uh, rejection and a mortgage credit reject filed on his social. And it's going to be a long time until he's able to qualify for a conventional mortgage product. So he's not going to get around it that way. And I was really disappointed with the real estate agent because I held her in really, really high regard. Um, I admired her. She had great uh, control over her clients and other, the transaction, very knowledgeable. But she seemed to be coming from a place of scarcity and desperation because do you know what she did? She asked if we could go ahead and move the loan over to another lender and just move forward on November 7th when he starts his new employment. Um, no, fail. And now I don't feel comfortable referring her buyers. All around, don't do mortgage fraud. This guy could have just told me, dude, I got laid off. Here's the problem. And there's all kinds of things that I could have done if he had been a good steward of the truth. Mm -hmm. um, but instead, we all got screwed and, um, you know, everybody's in the same boat. So that's today's edition of Friday Fail. It is much better to ask for permission than to ask for forgiveness. So make sure that you're telling your lender the truth and do not ever sign a declaration that something is true and complete to the best of your knowledge if you are lying.